If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalm 62. My name is Brad, one of the pastors here at Crossview. It is so, so good always to be together. Let me make one little caveat to what Sandy just said. The mission trip is actually an intergenerational mission trip. And so we are hoping it's students and it's adults of various ages. Um, and that's already happening. And uh, so if you're interested and you're not a student, come talk to us. We would love to talk to you about it. We have been in a series this month around anxiety, which I think is a topic of the day that is very important for all of us to be having. Uh, I've been saying that everybody sitting in this room, whether it's this room at Howard Drive or this room at Rosa Parks, there is a spectrum of anxiety, and everybody has it. It could be clinical anxiety where it's very serious. Uh, it could just be occasional uh, anxiety. And so there, there's a spectrum of where we sit on this, but everybody is affected by this conversation. Or you may be sitting here and saying, Brad, I really don't struggle with it, but I know you have somebody in your life that struggles with it. And so what we're trying to do is get a holistic look at how we talk about anxiety. Um, if you're going to therapy for depression or anxiety, that's a good thing. If you're on medicine, that's a good thing. Uh, we also want to bring in sort of the spiritual side of the conversation. How do we holistically think around sort of our mental health and have that become more and more of a normal conversation that we've been in? So we've talked about things like casting your cares, casting your anxieties, giving some of the weight of our anxiety to God. We've talked about gentleness and peace. Last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to invite the presence of God to truly be with us? I don't know about you, but this week I've been praying again and again, Come, Holy Spirit, come. And just sort of breathing that in and out and submitting to the presence of God that is in me. And it's interesting what God does as he enters, as we give over some of that control to God. So this is a little different than what uh, we're sort of normally taught in church. In homiletics, our preaching class in seminary, it's like make one point, don't, don't waver from that point. We're sort of going to do three things this morning uh, as I preach. We're going to watch a seven-minute video. And the video is with a friend, we're interviewing him around anxiety. He's a professional in the area of mental health, and so there's going to be a seven-minute video. It's really, really good, and we hope to follow it up even with some more conversation with, with Phil. And then I'm going to preach on Psalm 62, and then we're going to have an experience this morning and talk about what are we really hoping for when it comes to mental health. So check out this video. talking about anxiety over this month and this is my friend Phil Kloss and I'll give a little bit more of an introduction uh, but we are ending with a, a uh, talking about hope mm -hmm. and Phil and Beth Claussen uh, go here to cross you and uh, with their son Henry but they have three other kids as well right. that are grown Do you guys grandkids and one one yes. grandkid yes, so right. yep. the very very important thing. It, oh it's changed everything oh, yes exactly. for the better I, yes. I can imagine you guys are great great grandparents <laughs> it's but, a lot of fun Phil is, there's a handful of people that when I need to um, connect and just become better as a person, Phil's one of those guys that I'll reach out to, grab lunch, and I walk away always um, uh, better connected to myself and God and just the world around me. So uh, honored that Phil would come in and spend a few minutes talking about hope and anxiety here. So g give people a little bit of your sort of work yeah. Well, first of all, Brad, thank you. Mutual feelings as I, I take as much as I get from Brad, that's for sure. Um, my background as a licensed psychologist, I practiced um, up, we were just talking about up north for a few years and then got into administration. Came to Mankato um, over 20 years ago and work for Blue Earth County now in an administrative role. Okay. Okay. So give us, um, you and I were talking back and forth and talk a little bit about hope first. 
But then you, when you talk about anxiety, you talk about this sort of these buckets. Yeah. Break some of that down for us. Yeah. Thank you, Pastor. Um, so the hope piece that Pastor's been talking about for weeks now, um, I think is the goal, you know, is that we want to spend as much time in the hope bucket. I'm going to use the analogy of buckets, but the hope bucket is as much as we can. And um, I, I think the piece that you've talked about is that hope is a gift and it's where we want to kind of land and spend our time and, and find ourselves in that hope place. I, I think things like anxiety, um, depression, uh, loneliness, uh, hopelessness, the feeling of hopelessness, rob from us. They clutter us up and it keeps us from feeling and sometimes believing that that hope is really there for us. But that gift is there for us. So the only thing I wanted to say about hope from my side is that I, I think hope doesn't chase us. It, it is something that we have to pursue. It's something mm. that we have to choose. And it, it's always accessible to us, that gift of hope. But we have to be part of that and engage that. I love that gift language. It's a really important thing for me. And I was, I've was i said to Pastor about how important it is that we self-disclose. And I'm saying all this stuff is <laughs> stuff I try to, try to practice. But anyway, so that was the big one. Yeah. And that these feelings we have, anxiety, depression, they, they get in the way, but they're really not um, unmanageable, they're manageable. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we feel a little bit of shame or guilt mm -hmm. if we have those feelings, but they're feelings. The enemy of hope is actually numbness. And I oh. think we don't wanna be numb. That's our great That's goal right. yeah. as, as Christians is that we re really wanna stay away and treat numbness as mm -hmm. our enemy. Not, not a day, not a second if we can help it. So that was just what I wanted to say about hope. Yeah. And do you want me to go ahead and yeah. run into anxiety then? So yeah. Yeah. this bucket, so picture the hope bucket, right? Yeah. We've talked about that a little bit, but the anxiety then if we break it down, I think what we need to get good at the skill is, is really being able to sort. And so mm. that's my encouragement or exhortation is that we get better and better at the skill of sorting. And so the buckets we've talked about, Brad and I, some, is um, just that we have to be able to clear the deck of some of these emotions so hope can come in so it has a place so we can pursue it as okay. we talked about. There's three buckets and I'm gonna do them real quick. The first bucket, I call it the deal with it bucket. This is our stuff. This is stuff in our control. And sometimes we get overwhelmed because of all the complexities of anxiety and they clutter us up. But there's a piece of that that we have to work on that we're called to engage. And so the deal with it bucket's important. It is in our control. Um, we need to come up with specific action plans and timelines, and then we need to ask for help. So when we go out to lunch, that's what I'm talking about. My wife saying, here's what happened at work, or here's what's cluttering me up, or what's feeling negative or heavy for me. And so that's bucket one, our stuff, stuff in our path, yeah. things we have to engage. The second bucket then, so is a little less of our control, so we're not fully in control. So these are shared issues, and I call this bucket the say what you think, and then let it go. And I struggle with this because I want to fix everything, but um, we're not in fully in control. We have shared issues and um, we need to say what we need to say and then we need to listen to others too. So that's the second bucket is shared items like that. Can you give me like an illustration of that second one? Sure, and so I, I have some big pictures, but I can yeah. give you an illustration too. But I said, this is marriage stuff, this is family stuff. And this is work stuff. This is when my boss says to me, here's what I want you to do. And I can say, okay, but did you think about this? Yes, I've thought about that. Yeah. 
do what I said to do. I'm your <laughs> boss. And I think that's totally fair and healthy. Mm. So that would be an example of how it is applied, is that I have influence, I have something to say from my position, but I'm not in charge of the universe. That, that's that right. thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's bucket two. And then the third bucket is called let go and let God bucket. And mm. so this is those much bigger issues that we face that can burden us, that for us that tend to be thinker feelers, we feel heavy by a lot of this stuff. So um, this was stuff that was never mine to control in the yeah. first place. And I have to realize that. I have to realize that's not my department. Yeah. And so I, my examples of this was let your boss be your boss, let your spouse be your spouse, and let God be your God. Don't, don't take over that turf and don't, don't try to get into other people's stuff in that kind of way that it's not mine to deal with. And so the only other thing I want to say in closing is just that we move from bucket to bucket. So I thought about this missions issue with the refugee population at the border with Mexico. And that seems like a bucket three level thing to me. It's really big, refugee yeah. problem. And then God taps you on the shoulder and says, I want you to go on that short-term mission trip. And that becomes bucket one. Then it's in my path then I've got to go do it. So and they, so um, I, I would talk to um, Sandy Asker about this and she said, it's kind of like a fountain, you know, it kind of, yeah. then it pushes back through and fountains over again. And so we, we sort it as we go. So that's what I wanted that's to share. About. So, so good. And, and knowing you well enough, like sort of the last thing would be, just like you said on bucket one, all these buckets, you have to be able to talk with somebody, right? Yeah, that's right. I think when we get small, I, I, we were up north, I was a camp counselor up in the Boundary Waters, and this pastor came in and said, give yourself a hug. You know what you got there? A really small package. And he said, you got it. You got to be in fellowship. And fellowship means you got to ask for help. And I have a daughter who's in the field I'm in, and she said around the campfire, Dad, you have to ask for help. Even you, you have to ask for help. And we just do have to practice that. That's really good. Yeah. Bill, thanks so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. I hope that was helpful. We're, uh, we're hoping to engage. Phil oversees all of sort of the health and human services for Blue Earth County. So he sees mental health from so many different angles. And we want to engage him just on some deeper conversations because one of the stigmas is mental health is something you don't talk about because there's shame around it. And we want to remove that and say it's just part of living in the broken world we live in. And so how do we let Christ enter into those places where Christ wants to enter into? I remember growing up, my dad, who is this brilliant man, earned doctorate, uh, he was the head of a school, the school of education at the college I went to, and I always remember, though, going into his office, and he'd have all these little notes about what he would have to do throughout the day, okay, pick up the kids at 325, you know, these different things that had to be done, and I wonder, like, why does he do that? As I look at it now, he had to remind himself of certain important things that needed to get done. In 2022, we do that with this thing called an iPhone. iPhones didn't exist back then. And so we had all these little notes. And it got me thinking as we end this and we think about hope, I think one of the things, if we're going to have hope when it's connected to anxiety, a lot of it is on how we remind ourselves about the things that matter. And how do we put reminders in place so that we can remember what's most important? Yeah, if, you have, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalm 62. It'll also be on the screens if you're at home or here in the room. So let me pray before we jump in. Jesus, we pray that you would speak, that the Holy Spirit would come and fill us, and that we would hear a good word. God, I, I think this is one of those series where um, every one of us needs a little bit of hope and encouragement. And we know that you're the God that does that. I pray that in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All God's people said, amen. So this, 
Psalms are poems. They're, they're, they're words that were meant to be sung in corporate worship often. And David is in a bad place. He wrote this psalm, and he actually wrote the psalm for Jeduthun. So if you're going to have a child in the next couple of years, there is a name for you, Jeduthun. Um, and Jeduthun's role in Israel was he was one of the worship leaders. He led the people corporately together into the presence of God. And so David is writing these words to Jed as he is going through this really bad place in his life. And here's what he says. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. And what's, what's challenging sometimes when you look at the original language, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament in Greek. In the, in the Old Testament, Hebrew is even harder than Greek. Um, and there are times where there's certain words that don't really come across. And this is one of those times. In Psalm 62, there's this word, ak. And ak is said seven times in this psalm. And every time it's meant to say, only. And what David is trying to get across is there's all this stuff going on in my life. There's all this pain. There's all this anxiety. And what he's trying to remind himself is, only God. Only God. Only God does certain things that need to be done that I need in my life. And he's saying ultimate rest and salvation comes from God. And you're going to see some repetition here, which happens when you hear a poem and when you hear a song. Certain things are repeated, so David is reminding himself of certain realities. Verse 2, truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken, reflecting on who God is. By the way, we could spend a little bit of time talking. Part of why we gather corporately in worship is this very thing. To once a week be reminded of who God is and what God has done. It's why we take the Eucharist, the good gift every week, to be reminded of the good gift of salvation. So David is saying, I need this again and again. And he's writing to the worship leader, sort of saying, thank you for giving me the gift. That I can be reminded of who God is. Verse 3. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? And so what David is saying at the end of the day is, and by the way, the backstory to what is going on, theologians think, is it's probably when his son Absalom is trying to take the throne. So he's having to flee his son who's trying to kill him so that his son can become king. And what David is saying, when he's, he's going to make a few references to the world around him, but at the end of the day, he's basically saying humanity tends to be destructive, selfish, and deceitful. And when I put my faith and when I put my trust in humanity, things tend to fall apart. Verse 4, surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take de uh, delight in lies with their mouths. They bless in their hearts. They curse. By the way, if you read through the Psalms, these, these are sort of concepts, ideas that the psalmists, different psalms, they write time and time again. One of my favorite is Psalm 73, and it's written by Asaph, who was one of the worship leaders. Same job as Jeduthun. And he writes in that psalm, he says, My feet had almost slipped because I looked at the success of the people around. The evil people are having all the success. And this idea of his feet almost slipped, he almost gave up his faith. When I focus on what's going on out there, when I let it rule me, it's easy to walk into the anxiety. It's easy to let things sort of overwhelm me. Verse 5, yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from him. That word rest, which by the way is the same as the, in verse 1, is this idea of being quiet. I stop. I breathe. 
I say, come Holy Spirit, and I sit in the presence of God, and I try to remind myself of who God is and the way in which God, God works and how God interacts with his people. Verse 6, truly is my rock and my salvation. He's my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn are but a breath, the highborn but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. Again, this is poetry. He's not making a statement on people being better if they're highborn or lowborn. What he's saying is both groups, all of humanity, if I place my trust in them, I'm going to be disappointed. If I place my ultimate trust in a relationship, I'm going to be disappointed. And if you think about that, think about the anxiety that you have. The anxiety that I have. I, I've, I've, if you haven't heard of this, I've said it at Howard Drive many times. I pretty much had no anxiety until COVID hit. Didn't really struggle with it at all. And I had this moment, I was in Wisconsin with a group of covenant pastors, and it's, we're all sitting there in a circle, and I could not, my chest felt heavy, there was a weight, I couldn't get out of it. I was like, this is anxiety. I've talked with others about it, I know what it feels like. And so in the, in the sort of journey of COVID, I had to enter into this place where anxiety is reality, and usually when I have anxiety, it's somehow connected to a relationship. I've placed, my tr I've placed my trust in something other ultimately than God. And then that's starting to bring me into this circle of anxiety. Again, he says the same thing that he said in verse 8, verse 10. Don't put trust in extortion or put hope in stolen goods. Through the, through your, though your riches increase, don't set your heart on them. There's a line that I've heard often in churches. It's, what you worship, you will become. And I think at the end of the day, that's what David is trying to get across. When I'm worshiping, putting in ultimate place the relationships in my life, I'm going to be disappointed. Think about the different places we put our trust. Just on, on, a, on a just who we are type of level. One thing, I think we trust lies. I think we often trust lies about ourselves. That others are saying about who we are, that you're not good enough that we're defined by the worst thing that we're, we've done, that we're, we're not beautiful enough. And think about it, when we focus on those things, when, they let, when we let those things become the thing we worship, we're going to walk into anxiety. Or we trust people. We trust people. They, and, and when they don't meet our expectations, anxiety. Or we trust problems. I was thinking about this. When I'm trusting that I need a certain amount of money to be comfortable, and if I'm not at that place, what happens? Anxiety. Or, and we talked about this a bit last week, we trust untrue beliefs about God. That we have a depiction of who God is that doesn't line up with Jesus Christ. And any depiction of who God is that doesn't line up with the person of Jesus Christ as seen in the Gospels is not God. Period. We trust untrue realities about who God is. And then here's how the psalmist ends it. It's so beautiful. One thing God has spoken Two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love, and you reward everyone according to what they have done. I think the psalmist sort of brings the psalm all together at the end and gives us three truths about God. 
Because if reminding ourselves about God helps with the anxiety, again, we said the whole series, if you really struggle with anxiety, the anxiety may never go away on this side of God coming back and making everything right, where there's no more tears or crying or pain. But what we're trying to do is put all the different things in place so that we can better deal with our anxiety. And what David is saying here is there's three truths about God that when I am getting anxious, when it seems like the world is starting to overload me, there's three things. One is he says, God's powerful. Things may be bad, but I believe in the almighty power of God. But there is a God that is bigger than the problems that are around me. There's a God that's bigger than my son trying to kill me and take my throne. Because that's really bad. The second thing that he says is God is loving. The God is loving. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But he ends with this really interesting statement, which many of the Psalms end with. He says God is just. He looks at the world and he says, I don't get it, I don't understand it, and God, I don't agree with it. But you're God. You're the ultimate judge of the world around. Things don't make sense, I don't get them. I think you should do something about it even. But I still am going to say, and, and many of the Psalms end with this, like, you're just and you're good, and I'm going to leave it with you. And when we do that, there's this weight that begins to move off of us. It frees us from some of the anxiety. I love Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. And this won't be on the screen. It says this. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have understanding to know me. I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For in these, in these I delight, declares the Lord. Kindness, justice, and righteousness. There's this interesting reality that I struggle with. And it's this, that God's unfailing love doesn't depend on my ability to control it. That God is going to be loving no matter what I do, what I control, what relationship is going right, what anxiety, what I need to do, is remind myself of that again and again and again. I saw a video recently that was so powerful. There was a professor in the front of the classroom, and he had a glass of water that was pretty much full, just a normal kitchen glass of water. And he asked the class, he says to the class, how heavy do you think this glass of water is? And the students started guessing at how heavy it was, eight ounces, 10 ounces, six ounces, different guesses at how heavy it was. And he made this statement as he's holding this glass of water. He said that the absolute weight of the glass of the water does not matter. What matters is how long you hold on to it. Isn't that interesting? What matters is how long you hold on to it. And, he, and, and then he said this statement. He said, he goes, too often we let the stresses and worries of life become that glass of water to us. We just hold on to them and we won't let go. And we get into this cycle of anxiety. And I think the gift of Scripture, again, one of the things that can help us with our anxiety is to remind ourselves of who God is, that God is powerful. God is more powerful than the problem that you're, you're encountering. That God is loving. The, the word for loving is, is hesed. It's steadfast love. It's undeserved kindness and generosity. The New Testament would say that is love that goes to the cross for you. It's love that is willing to die for the sins of the world. It's Romans 5.8 that God commends his love to us and that while we were sinners, God what? Died for us. His love 
is the angle at which he sees us. That's his said. And then God is just. God is just. What I would encourage you as we wrap up this series is to keep the conversation going. Crossview, can we normalize conversations around things like mental health? And just say, we live in a broken world and we need to talk about these things. And we need to do it together. We need to be in it together. And what I encourage you on this last week as we think about the idea of reminding ourselves is find ways that work for you. Find consistent, repetitive ways for for you to remind yourself of these realities about God. One of the ways I do it is every morning on the way to work, I just listen to Scripture. Um, I am a K-fan addict. I love listening to to, uh, sports on the radio and people talk about sports. But for my little drive to work in the morning, I turn it off and I'm trying to learn something about God for that day. So I can be reminded as I walk into my day of who God is and it definitely helps with my anxiety. What are the ways that you can remind yourself of who God is? Let's pray. Jesus, you are good. You're just. You're powerful and you're loving, God, and you're so many. The mosaic that is you is beyond our ability to even grasp. And so, Lord, I pray that your spirit would give each person in this room, each person online, the gift of being reminded of the things they need to be reminded of, God. You said your spirit would remind us. So, God, do that good work. In Jesus' name.